episode 72 of the movie brats podcast i am carter and joining me as always is jonathan how are you doing jonathan i'm doing well happy new year even though we're going to be talking about two films that came out uh well they premiered both like two months ago at least yes uh, i think two of the better movies at least for me from 2022 and uh i think my two favorite mystery films um the first one we will be discussing is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson, who has previously directed the first Knives Out movie. Also, Brick, Looper, and Star Wars, The Last Jedi, starring Daniel Craig, Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, and Edward Norton. It is about master detective Benoit Blanc, uh, as he is invited to participate in a murder mystery game weekend getaway hosted by billionaire Miles Braun, on his private island and attended by a group of bronze closest friends and fellow disruptors. The weekend turns into a case for Blanc to solve after the game turns deadly. Originally premiered September 10th at the Toronto International Film Festival, was released theatrically in the U.S. November 23rd and began streaming on Netflix December 23rd. A Metacritic score of 81, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93, it has been awarded by the National Board of Review a top 10 film of the year and won the National Board of Review Best Supporting Actress for Janelle Monet. That was a lot of me talking. Jonathan, what did you think of uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which I know Ryan Johnson wished had just been called Glass Onion. <laughs> well, I do this sometimes, but I feel like we should set up the unique circumstances of this film coming out. So, the original Knives Out came out in 2019, you know, before the pandemic, but it's one of the last original films that made a ton of money. It had a star-studded cast. Daniel Craig is the only one that is in both films. I mean, you could watch this sequel or even maybe better to call it a spinoff uh, or a part in a Ongoing anthology. <laughs> I know because they, he made a deal with Netflix to do two films. So uh, the first one made over $300 million worldwide. And this is an original film. And Netflix basically came to Ryan Johnson and was like, we will give you a giant, massive sack of money to do two films and you can do whatever you want. And the crazy thing, though, is that they did get a deal between Regal, Cinemark, and AMC, which they had been at a stalemate for years about they will not play Netflix films, these major theater chains in the U.S., but they made a deal for Glass Onion to play just one week mm -hmm. right around Thanksgiving, which is when I saw it, and it made a good amount of money, but it just, everyone was thinking, you're just leaving all this money on the table. Why did you not have it play a month and then go to Netflix? And I even heard some things like there were certain interviews that the cast could not do until it was time for the Netflix premiere. Like they weren't doing press as much 
for the theatrical release for one mm-hmm. week. So I don't under, I mean, I'm very happy that the film actually got released in theaters and many more theaters than usual because it's a Netflix film. But I don't quite understand when you had this surprisingly successful original movie, why they would just put it out for one week and snatch it back up. I don't get that. Uh, well, it's said, exclusivity, I think, is the big thing. And... But why not do it a month and make... <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where I guess you create a demand by reducing the supply, something like that. Right. I'm not Reed Hastings. I don't know. I know. Nevertheless, <laughs> I really enjoyed this film as much, if not more so than the first film. I think it might even be a better film. And I really enjoyed the first one. I saw it once in theaters when it came out um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And both films are just incredibly entertaining. They're very well written. They're witty. They're suspenseful. They he knows what he's doing. He's doing a murder mystery comedy with a great cast that looks great, and they're just really intricately done. But he knows he's having a fun time doing it. Yeah, I think it's one of the most purely entertaining movies, and it's incredibly well made, but in a way that feels almost effortless. Well, I mean, that's the sort of effortlessness of the direction by Ryan Johnson was very notable for this, and I think that's why. In a lot of ways, I think it's an improvement on the first one, which um, seems a little bit more like a proof of concept kind of as you look back on this one, because this one was a much I think it worked much better as a movie and as well as a mystery. I think the big criticism of the first one is that as soon as Chris Evans character is introduced, you're kind of aware that he's the murderer. There's not a lot of other people. (laughs) Well, yeah, spoiler alert, but uh... I think if you're an engaged audience member, it's hard not to to come to that conclusion. And I think the mystery element of this one is is much, much better. And uh, the sort of reveal at the end, I think, is much better earned. Um, And he does a very good job of sort of tricking the audience with uh, some red herrings and even like kind of manipulative filmmaking where he'll show you one thing and then it turns out not to have been like the thing or he'll show you it and then show you a different version and then show you another version at the end of it, almost like a sort of Rashomon style. Um, or you I, say, like the title glass, onion. like a glass you know, onion revealing itself layers. Yeah. And I, I, the, the film is one that the average viewer could watch Netflix and chill and it's immensely entertaining but it's also just a really savvy, well-constructed, well-written, you know, every actor is just like as good as they've ever been. Or, you know, it's like Kate Hudson hasn't been good in 20 plus years. It's almost famous. Almost she gets an Oscar nomination and is just luminous and delightful and so charming and almost famous. And then for basically 20 plus years, she's done just the absolute dreck of romantic ride wars. Yeah, how to lose your lunch in ten minutes. I mean, how to lose your, you know, that movie <laughs> terrible. But, um, but you see, you know, someone like her. If you give her the right material, material the right role, she's just really funny and and wonderful in the movie. And I think, like the first film, where Ana de Armas was kind of the most valuable player. I think Janelle Monet is a kind of that role if you were to put it you know of correlation like she's just you know she's acted before and Ana de Armas had acted before too but uh it's a star making role in a way that you don't normally see these days I think right 
yeah, I mean, she had supporting roles in Moonlight and Hidden Figures and Harriet. I mean, she's actually had a really good uh, choice of roles. Uh, you know, she's picked really interesting. Former pop artist. Well, she still is. Well, yeah, but I think she's becoming better known as an actor now than a, a musician. But yeah, she is just really charming and funny and sexy and mysterious and i don't we don't want to reveal too much about this movie and though it's on netflix worldwide for you know many weeks now uh she does a good job of giving a performance for the film but also there's different layers to well this is very much a movie that rewards repeat viewings um You've actually done that yeah and i actually have I, this is one of the few times where we're talking about movies where I'm going to have seen both multiple times, but I saw this for the first time in a theater with people. And um, it's one of those movies that funny lines just sort of hit different when you're with other people. And I didn't laugh. I mean, I had already seen it, but the lines just didn't quite hit the same way watching it in the living room uh, compared to with an audience. So it is a shame that this didn't get the opportunity because yeah, it probably would have been like a hundred million dollar movie if it had just played for a month even. So, I mean, you do have a point with that. And I think the the audience um, experience of it would very much have benefited by seeing it with other people. But And not um, just the laughs, but the, oh my gosh, that just happened. <laughs> yes. And there's some moments that are very unexpected. And yeah, you just hear like gasps from the crowd and stuff like that, which I guess if you watched it with a, with a group of people, it'd be better. I, this would be a terrible movie to watch by yourself. I think. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you would be not terrible, but just not what it's supposed to be. It's not what it's supposed to be. I think that it's a film that would be best watched with a group, be it in a theater or, you know, with your family or friends, if you're able to watch it with at least other people, if you can. Yes. Because I mean, the film itself, both of them are ensemble pieces. It's a film where both are very funny. Right. And I think that it's also what's amazing, too, is especially when it got released theatrically, like, of course, someone writes a script and it gets shot and it goes through all this post-production. But there were all these things in the news with like Elon Musk and Twitter that like were happening right then <laughs> the film premiered in theaters. There was like, how did he time that? And of course, no one could predict, you know, everything. But there are these things in the zeitgeist. It's like when the Simpsons or Homeland predicted things. And when the episode aired, it had happened in the world, like right then. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's a, a very... It's that a, way, it almost felt like a South Park episode where it was like happening like right now. Um, right. In a way and where South Park used to do the writing like by the week. And so it'd be about the most recent thing that happened. And that's right. that's very rare for a movie to sort of feel that of the moment and zeitgeisty, like you said. Right. And I like the fact that it's a film I feel like anyone on the political spectrum could watch and be completely entertained by and not feel insulted or talked down to. But it has, you know, political barbs and it has things to say about tech billionaires and, uh, you know, the influencers and <laughs> there's things that the pro male movement. I know there are things the film is making fun of that are, you know, pointed, uh, but does it in such a, in, in a way that's pointed, but also just completely entertaining and it's not hitting you over the head with it or, you know, being didactic. It's, it's a very entertaining movie that slips in this commentary and social satire. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad Ryan Johnson has found his, 
you know sort of franchise because he really was screwed over by disney with the whole last jedi thing so well let me let me say i don't want to get into a big argument about star wars <laughs> but i think we both agree the last jedi is one of the better ones if not the best yeah, yeah i think it's i think it's by far the best star wars film since the original trilogy and i think the making of the film was a, a, a great opportunity and experience for johnson basically they went here's where jj abrams left off with the previous film you can write and direct this next chapter and they let him do what he want the problem was the knuckle dragging fans. I saw someone once said the first, the people who hate star Wars the most are star Wars fans. Uh-huh. And the, it, it, I think that he had a good experience making that movie. It's just that there was, you know, there's just, I mean, there, there are people that criticize it, nitpick it, but there was also this really nasty, like how dare there be women and people of color in my sci-fi pew pew fantasy, you know, mm-hmm. childhood fan, you know, that, that, that is a whole sort of toxic thing about that. And, movie. and I think that you could say this new Knives Out, you know, with the Dave Bautista character, <laughs> he's getting out a little bit of this obnoxious, toxious, uh, you know, internet. And well, the multiple characters, it's like how gross people can be on the internet and part of culture and how self-serving. And it's really about, you know, they're just like, they, they like the Kate Hudson character has this view of herself as being this, you know, spiritual guru lifestyle person, but she's just this spoiled brat, you know, <laughs> obnoxious woman who is politically incorrect and doesn't really understand what she's talking about. I think she's a little bit like Gwyneth Paltrow. I think we're supposed to. Yes. Think. Yes. Goop With, and that sort of thing. Right. Right. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's one of the most entertaining movies I've seen from last year. So I, I highly recommend it. Totally. I mean, definitely. I think it's an improvement on the original. I'm very excited to see where he goes next. And, um, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to more Knives Out movies with Benoit Blanc, but I am also interested to see where Ryan Johnson goes, you know, Knives Out aside in the future, because he is an extremely talented filmmaker and right and writer I, as well. So yeah, um, I, I also think we should say how really funny and delightful Daniel Craig is <laughs> in these films where. I, I remember that, you know, obviously he's James Bond and he's been in, you know, very serious films like Road to Perdition. But I have a friend who I went to NYU with who said that he came to do a photo shoot at her work and he just did the Mrs. Doubtfire voice the whole day. And he's <laughs> like totally silly. And he's like a, a, a goof. You know, he's like a really charming, funny guy who is like, I mean, I think most people agree, you know, you could debate what's the best James Bond. I think he's the best actor who's ever played James Bond. Well, it's it's his James Bond is like so different than the James Bond we grew up with that it's like a, a serious movie made by like serious movie directors like Sam Mendes and Carrie Fukunaga. So it's almost like a different sort of thing than the other James Bonds. He's yeah, he's by far the best actor to have played James Bond. Right. And I think and Sean I'm, Connery became a great actor, but I don't think he was particularly a great actor when he was James Bond. I think that came a bit right. later in his life. Immensely charming and a great screen presence, but he became a much better actor post bond really yeah before bond he was like sort of perfect because he was just kind of sean connery being a handsome guy in the 60s right (laughs) it's not like it required a whole lot of dramatic you know depth or or like extending beyond himself and i mean i it seemed like this was almost like a tonic to the last 
James Bond movie that was so serious and Daniel Craig had to be so sort of serious in it. And it's about, you know, like the death of James Bond that I think he really enjoyed just being very silly. In right. A, and I think a, a precursor. Did you ever see the movie Logan Lucky that Steve? Yes. Was? Yes. Right. Super exaggerated West Virginia accent. Right. So I think that uh, he's just, and, you know, looking at his costumes and just the way he carries himself, he's just such a, he's such a refined actor, but he's having such fun in the role. Mm-hmm. No, um, I think it's a perfect sort of vehicle for him. Right. So, um, Daniel, and, and yeah, everyone in the cast is really, Catherine Hahn is funny. And I, I mean, I've seen a little bit of criticism that there are some of the supporting characters because it's an ensemble piece. There's, they're a little bit one note and they're kind of like, pieces on a chessboard that's but sort I, of the agatha christie element right um, that i think he really nails in a way that a lot of people don't that he seems like a sort of true successor to agatha christie because it's not just the mystery it's like the the characters are sort of like are like arch- it's almost like a game of clue where it's like they're not even real people they're almost like archetypes right and, and, and he really right. gets that in this one and i think it's a film where yes there's these references to influencers and modern times and there's some technical you know wizardry that you know they deal with that is set very much in the present but there is kind of this old school charm about it where like a good chunk percentage of the movie could have been a film from like the 70s there's this yeah. kind of old charm to it definitely um a totally pretty different movie we're shifting on to but a murder mystery nevertheless um our next movie is decision to leave directed by by Park Chan-wook. I've turned into someone from like Baltimore for a second. Um, also director of The Handmaiden, Stoker, Old Boy, and uh, numerous other movies made in his native South Korea. Uh, starring Tang Wei and Park Hae-il. Uh, in Busan, South Korea, an insomniac homicide detective investigates the death of a civil servant in an apparent climbing accident. The investigation becomes muddled as his suspicions of the deceased man's widow are complicated by his increasingly close relationship to her. Uh, It premiered originally May 23rd, 2022 at the Cannes Film Festival, a U.S. wide release October 14th, and became available to stream on Mubi in early December. That is a Mubi exclusive. That's even a funny word to say. I don't think it's the best name for an app. Um, a Metacritic score of 84, a Rotten Tomato score of 93. It won Best Director for Park Chan-wook at the Cannes Film Festival and was named in the National Board of Review's Top 5 Foreign Language Films of 2022. Um, this is also a movie I have seen twice. Uh, I liked it so much that tells the listener a lot about what I thought of it. Um, you saw this in theaters, right? I saw it on movie. I had to sign up for it um what was your experience of decision to leave well i saw it at the new york oh yeah with (laughs) uh park chan wook and some of the actors there in person and in a weird way um totally different movies but when i saw women talking we i was surprised by they're different movies very different movies but like women talking actually had laughs in it and like decision to leave is quite funny <laughs> like it, like it's actually it's not a comedy but there and in the movie that it reminded me of in a way is gone girl because it's a director just directing the hell out of what is kind of a little bit like 
pulpy airport novel but it's so masterfully done and it doesn't pretend that it is like this greek tragedy it you know it's it it's it earns its emotions and by the end it does actually get emotional and there is serious aspects to it but he knows that this is a genre film and i thought it was interesting when he was talking at the uh, screening at the festival that uh he he feels like almost every movie he's made has been a romantic film but they're kind of the audiences don't always see that because of the shocking violence and graphic sex in his films like old boy but he feels like romance has been throughout pretty much his whole filmography and so he wanted to bring that to the forefront with this movie and so yeah i i just think it's I mean, on a technical level, this movie is just incredible. I mean, yes. it's, it, you could watch this movie without the sound or or turned off the subtitles if you didn't know Korean and just be enveloped by the visual language of the film, the editing, the cinematography, just the bravado of the filmmaking. Uh, and But it's also just a super entertaining, twisty, turny <laughs> thriller mystery film that it, it it starts out as this twisty genre movie but like i said you actually end up you know in darkly funny but by the end you actually kind of get pulled into the characters and it becomes kind of melancholy and sad not to give too much away but it becomes deeper as you go along but it's super entertaining on the love on the surface the whole way yeah, the, I mean, the first sort of thing, and I mean, even when I was watching it, the thing that was just kept popping into my head was something you just said about the sort of visual language of it, which felt like so just like next level to me when I was watching it. He does this device in the movie where uh, the d- investigator does a lot of stakeouts and is looking a lot of times through binoculars. And he does this thing in the movie where instead of like showing it through the binoculars, he puts the detective in the room where he's like getting a close-up of everything that's happening and we get all these different insert shots of the things that he's noticing so it puts you in the sort of first person perspective of the detective in a way that felt very new and and different for me and was very exciting in a way that i don't normally react to movies uh very few movies this year like that of just sort of the technical aspect of it just excited me tar was one of those um where it has a scene that just sort of goes on and on and on in a sort of unbroken thing. Um, so in a weird way, it reminds me of Tar and how sort of clear it is in its point of view. This is almost all from the sort of main male detective's point of view. And then eventually we start getting stuff from uh, sort of a more, I guess, removed third person and also from uh, the female characters, I guess. But um, And there's all these visual allusions and references to looking and yes uh, in a way it was it was a very hitchcock sort of movie and obviously park chan i shouldn't say obviously but i guess people who have seen his movies can very much see an influence of alfred hitchcock on his career and this this seemed almost like a deliberate attempt to make like a modern korean like thrilling hitchcock movie in a way that you know someone like uh brian de palma felt like they were doing uh in their own day so i mean did you uh, did you get that sense Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to think of someone like Hitchcock, even though the film works on its own terms, mm-hmm. feel like it's pulling from the genre and the masters of it from the past. And I uh, I mean, there's even things that you're just watching it. But if you look at the clip, the scene more closely, 
it's remarkable some of the technical stuff he's doing like there's a scene where there's um a reflection of two people sitting in an interrogation room and what is in focus and what's not is like there's one of the people in the background and the reflection is in focus and the other isn't but in the foreground it's like there's just really remarkable stuff going on technically that is just you're enveloped in the mystery as you go along but if you stopped and, and you notice some of it while you're watching it but if you go back and watch it another time or you look at behind the scenes footage it's really kind of impressive some of the feats he pulls off yeah i mean it's 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 one of the best directed movies i've seen in a long time i mean um, honestly the last few years they've gotten at least one foreign language film nominated for best director and i would say that perhaps he i don't know if he i don't i think it's unlikely he would actually get nominated but i feel like for my money if i were going to pick a foreign language film to be nominated for best director he would certainly be way up there oh definitely and i mean also for cinematography um it's just such like a visually arresting movie uh it's almost like a a shame it's on such like an obscure streaming service um, and, and it didn't get you said i i don't even know if it really got a wide release it might not have been wide it might have just been a sort of limited thing but it was in a theater near me for about a week <laughs> i know and it, what's crazy is that unless people are, what's funny is that like squid game which is from south korea also will be on netflix and be you know what 10 hours long or whatever and, and like the most watched visual yeah thing and, ever <laughs> and, and but decision to leave barely gets seen in the united states yeah i don't understand that i think if this it seems like movie bought the rights after the can film Fest. i don't even really know what they are it's i guess it's like a sort of well it's a great streaming upscale service. streaming it's like service and channeled yeah it's focused it's on like, international movies right. um but it definitely isn't the best platform for things to like it's make a, a public service. splash it, yeah, it's it. I mean, if it had been on Netflix or Amazon, it would have had a much, much wider audience. Definitely. I, I don't. And it's it's not it's almost something like it's a shame stuff like this aren't on Netflix because, you know, there's stuff on Netflix that like isn't even good. But because it's on Netflix and they promote it, it becomes seen by 100 million people. I know. Um, it's so if, if they could just sort of like put that power behind something like this, you feel like it would have a big, big impact. But. I mean, I, uh, I I hear all the time like, oh, is it on Netflix? Oh no! And then you feel like, well, they're never going to watch it then if it's just not streaming on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. So, but, I, so I, I mean, so I stream this, and you know, I'm one of the the saps who got movie to watch this. And maybe there will be some others. And and I did keep you know keep it on for at least a month post. So I'm gonna get some use out of it and watch. They also stuff, have but... the Kingdom Exodus, the third season of Lars von Trier's miniseries. Uh, series. Also, the Pusher trilogy. Uh, uh, Nicholas winning Ruffin that I haven't ever seen. So. Not to go off topic, but just today, the day <laughs> we're recording, he has a new Netflix miniseries, Ruffin. Really? Copenhagen Cowboy, six episode. How about that? Yeah. But, so, but yeah, decision to leave. I mean, that's. I thought it was brilliant. I think it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. I oh, mean, yeah. I really, really like Glass Onion, but I think decision to leave, like, Trump, even trumps that. I think it's. Just because it's like the visual language of it, I just found so exciting in right. a way that that I think is really what movies are sort of supposed to be about. And, you know, Glass Onion is a really good mystery and it's a really good movie and it does really exciting stuff visually. But 
there isn't too much different in that than you know like a great mystery novel um there's a few things he does that you, you just couldn't do in a book but like everything in decision to leave just like could not be done in a book um in it's, a way that i thought was very cool it's it's a it's a work of art that could only work in the medium of science. yeah to quote harry styles it's a movie movie <laughs> it's like a movie <laughs> right uh not a movie well it is a movie it's a movie movie yeah i know there was a video store that changed names frequently as when i was growing up and at one point they they were actually called movies and it had a cow for a logo it was two o's no multiple o's Uh, i was like three o's yeah i don't even know how many but uh seven o's pick a flick was the one Uh but yeah i uh so, I mean, if you had to pick one, Decision to Leave or, or Glass Onion, what would you go with? I'd watch a double feature. Watch <laughs> Both of them. And it, like, I, well, I, I don't know if I was finishing my thought, but if unless someone just had a total aversion to subtitles, like it's like a completely accessible, entertaining thriller, I think. I don't like I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if like, you know, a fairly educated someone who would watch, you know, um, an adult movie would not be thoroughly entertained and really really like this movie it's not like some esoteric art house movie even though no. we're a movie like this and licorice pizza and uh spencer are considered like esoteric art house films now yeah i mean it's, it's we're in a strange place uh, those movies would have been very mainstream in something like the the 70s or 80s um right. i guess one thing it the beginning is uh, it's sort of like narrative method is it doesn't sort of spoon feed you in a way that a lot of movies do. So um, it can be a little jarring in how it's sort of the information it decides to reveal and the information that it doesn't. So it does very much require like an active participating viewer. Put your phone away and watch someone sitting and pay attention. Yes. In a way that even something like glass onion maybe is not up to the same um that's obviously something where being very vigilant and active as a viewer rewards it but it's it's in a way where you could still sort of follow what's happening even if you were looking at your phone if you were looking at your phone with this because obviously it's not in english and a lot happens you could you could become lost pretty quickly i think in a way that uh that you might not with most movies but you know if if you want to see something like this and get the most out of it you shouldn't be you know checking your phone every five minutes anyway um but i mean for me this is one of the movies of the year i mean i haven't seen every park chan wook movie i'm i've seen i think most of the stuff he's done in the last 10 years i think the handmaiden might have been the last movie right right he did this uh la carre adaptation for like little drummer girl yeah which i loved in 2018 yeah so i haven't seen uh any i haven't seen that so it's been a minute since he did a theatrical film um so yeah i i've 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 been a fan of his since the vengeance trilogy with old boy being the most notable the second one i guess explain that i mean that's sort of what he's best known for yeah but Uh, i've only seen old boy so yeah it's one of those thematic trilogies like the bergman faith trilogy where they're not connected to each other by characters it's uh all three films he did in the early 2000s of different tales of vengeance and uh, old boy was the one that really became an international success it was in the era the late 90s early 2000s where 
there was this explosion of really interesting, often genre cinema from South Korea. Uh, Bong, uh, Bong Joon-ho had mm-hmm. films like The Host and Memories of Murder. And you had um, the, uh, films like Tale of Two Sisters. And Old Boy was certainly one of the most notable. And uh, it's actually getting a restoration re-release this year, I think, because if I'm not mistaken, this is the 20th anniversary of Old Boy. Yeah, it would be 2023. So, uh, yeah. So uh, just pretty, old... pretty disturbing movie, Old Boy. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me say that Decision <laughs> to Leave has, you know, fleeting moments of violence, but it's not nearly as graphic or as disturbing as uh, a number of his earlier films. Yeah, they're, they're sort of known for like being extremely violent, right? Um, right. Uh, old Boy's the only one I've seen, and it it isn't to say like pornographically violent as much as sort of the context in which the violence happens in can be pretty alarming. There and, are uh, uh, there's some notable scenes where there are some extreme violence, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I've been a fan of his uh, for quite a while, and I was happy to see him back in the movie theater you know literally i saw him in the movie theater at the new york film festival (laughs) also him having a film in theaters again even though seemingly it didn't have a huge release but i hope it's a film that people will end up seeing is it one that's like only available on movie or yeah it's well you can rent it you can do like the sort of ten dollar five dollar rental i think rented on amazon through movie but not yeah the movie yeah yeah something like that um he's only made one english language movie i believe stoker which is written by the actor from prison break really yeah i forgot about or i didn't even know that to begin right. with that's uh, with, funny yeah it was starting nicole kidman and mia wishikowska but uh not I, I this is definitely a movie i could see there being an english language remake of yeah you know um, who did the remake of old boy uh spike lee right yeah but yeah. uh, notably, um, almost all of his movies are a Spike Lee joint, but they didn't give him final cut. So it's a Spike Lee film. And he's supposedly there's like a 20 minute longer director's cut. That's a lot better that <laughs> Josh, Josh Brolin has said that it just felt like, why is Spike Lee remaking this? Like, there's no like personal touch to it. He didn't reinvent it. But uh, it's sort of like a hired gun kind of movie. Yeah, it, felt. It, it had a long history like i think spielberg was going to remake it at one point which i can't quite imagine spielberg doing that's that. i think a weird i don't know if that movie really translates to america yeah i could see way. decision to leave i being... very much could see that just being like a hollywood movie with i don't know who would be the male lead i guess it'd be maybe like ryan gosling and margot robbie <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those where it could be like christopher nolan with insomnia like it's a really yeah well-made remake but like there's the original still though no and i i think i'd almost be welcome to that because i think it'd be hard to replicate you know the visual language and and how exciting that is but it's a pretty i mean it's a pretty basic sort of story underneath all of the sort of flash of the directing so and, and a pretty interesting one at that i think well like um, I, to, to go back to how i started it I, it reminded me of gone girl in the sense that it's you know david fincher with that one taking you know this and that that one is actually based on a novel mm-hmm. and it's you know I, i'm not i've never read the novel but it's like this pulpy you know crime airport novel kind of yeah thing. and he just is directing the hell out of it and he's having his he's ringing as much fun and cinematic 
bravado as he can out of it and decision to leave it's like the basic plot is you know it's twisty it twists and turn but it's a fairly you know um you know standard uh, mystery thriller but he elevates it so much not that it isn't good already but he it's it's a film where the filmmaking does so much of the enjoyment it's so much a part of the enjoyment of the movie yeah i mean for me it's like almost the whole thing <laughs> i mean like i like what happens in it but the way it's told for me is is you basically you, the thing you could have like basically beat for beat this done as like a mini series but if it didn't have that cinematic bravado it would just could be very like oh by yeah God, it could be anything like yeah. it could be lifetime um but yeah, I think two really, really good movies, um, both available to stream, one on the world's largest streaming service, the other on a pretty niche one. Um, but it's a good so, one. You're, down, okay. you're, 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 you're criticizing them and saying, oh, like you're I, I haven't used it enough to, to be able to really make too much of a claim. It you has have, good stuff on it. it there's no doubt like, it has good stuff they on have it. Like, you know, like. 500 times the number of good movies that netflix does no it's true it's i mean it's very true and it's obvious not like most streaming services it's just sort of all the stuff they could get the rights of and the rights are going to expire and who cares i mean this one is very much like a selected uh you know group of there's, films for people who are interested in, in international cinema so i i, I maybe have been shitting on it more than i've been meaning to <laughs> yeah i mean netflix has va- virtually no films that came out before we were born yeah I mean, yeah, pretty much. Right. Not that um, they don't have good series, but yeah, they, but they support, I mean, to give Netflix credit, they're giving Ryan Johnson, you know, and Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese and Alfonso Cuaron money to make movies that no other studio would make. Exactly right. So, um, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Go see both <laughs> movies, even if you have to stay at home, which you would have to at this point. Yes. But uh, yeah. So thank you for listening, and we will be back with you next time. Yeah.